Today we are going to continue our series, Exposing the Lie. Exposing the Lie. And I'm going to start off by praying. So get your Bibles out and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your power and your presence this morning. And I pray by revelation that the lie would be exposed today and the truth would be implanted in our hearts today. Lord, we just thank you that you are more powerful than anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. And so we, we just speak out that the knowledge of Christ is going to advance in, in not just in our minds, in our hearts and in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Rice Brooks said this, every step you take away from God's call on your life, there will be someone there to tell you that you're doing the right thing. Every step you take away from the call of God on your life, there'll be somebody there telling you, you're doing the right thing. So how do we know if we're going the right way? How do we know if we are, which way to go? If there's always someone, and, and listen, it doesn't just have to be evil telling us we're doing the right thing. It could be just anything telling us. And so how do we know? I stumbled upon this article this week, and it, it's weird, but it was like a New Year's resolution article, so I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but you know, a lot of times when we make New Year's resolutions, we try to you know, make you know, weight goals or, or change our habits sort of thing, and you know, all these things that we come up with to try to, to change and have New Year's resolutions, and this person was advocating for not doing those things, but really, they, they were saying, really, it's about just going with your heart, 10 reasons to follow your heart. And so they, they had an article and I read this and I'm going to share with you the 10 reasons to follow your heart. Number one, when you follow your heart, you cease having regrets. Number two, you gain a newfound respect for yourself and from those you admire. Number three, you get to know who you really are and what really matters to you. Number four, you ensure that you're on the right and true path for yourself. Number five, you allow yourself to forgive yourself and others. Number six, you learn to love yourself. Number seven, you learn to love others. Number eight, you learn to trust your intuition. Number nine, you stop overthinking. Like, how many of you guys are overthinkers, right? You stop overthinking and go with what life throws us. Number 10, you listen to your heart because it knows your true desires. And this is what most of us, I think, try to do or aspire to do. And it seems like some pretty solid advice. If you're living in a Disney cartoon, this seems like really solid advice. I think it's the biggest load of crud I've read in a long time. <laughs> because the world is constantly telling us to follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know, in fact, I saw, speaking of Disney, I saw this, this, they have got this Disney on, I'm not picking on Disney, okay, I'm just, this is just a good term illustration for me, so, uh, Disney has this thing, the, this uh, Disney on Ice, many of you guys probably know what that is, but one of the advertisements, one of the line in the advertisements said this, it said, make unforgettable memories when you follow your heart. I actually agree with that. You can make some pretty unforgettable memories when you follow your heart, because, in the, in the Disney world, we follow our heart and we see a Prince Charming at the end of that. We see a princess at the end of that. And that works great in cartoons and fairy tales. But I've seen a lot of people then go off and quote unquote follow their heart and marry their Prince Charming only to realize that he wasn't so charming, right? 
And in the end, it was marrying off infatuation instead of marrying off of calling. I, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day, and we were just driving home, and we weren't intending to have any real conversation, any deep conversation, but we got to talking about following our call. And how do you follow the call of God on your life? I believe that every one of us has a call of God on our life. I don't claim to understand how it all works because we have free will and we can make choices and how it all starts to change. But we were talking about uh, how do you, like what are the ingredients in order to following the call of God in your life? And I, I gave her what I believe to be the ingredients of following the call of God in your life, real simple. Number one, if you want to follow the call of God on your life, you have to get saved. You have to first know Jesus. <laughs> if you're going to follow the call of God, you've got to get saved. The second thing in order of importance to following the call of God on your life, and this is going to be controversial. Uh, don't stone me or anything. Uh, I've got a back door. Uh, I can exit out if I need to. Number two, important, in order of importance to following the call of God on your life is who you marry. Marrying right. I'll explain that in just a second. This isn't the sermon. This is setting up an idea for the sermon. After that, hearing the instructions for what the call is. And then number four, obeying the instructions. I believe that is the order of, that's the ingredients in order. If you get it out of order. Now, now let's go back to that Mary thing. Because once you get married, you have married the right person. Is anybody hearing me? Okay, so if you're in this place and you are married, you have married the right person. What I'm saying and suggesting, and I don't have all the answers, but I have seen it pastoral. I've seen it as a pastor for a long time. And I, I've seen people who I believe God had a specific call on their life. And then they married and there was this struggle or tension because the person that they married didn't seem to share the same call. And then, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Again, you've married the right person. What I'm saying is that, there, that God then may have to redirect. And he still has great plans for you if we have ears to listen. But I'm saying God implants in you. And that's why I say it's so important not just to follow an infatuation or follow our heart, if you will. Uh, because it does have an effect on things. And so uh, I know I, I probably need to spend a whole sermon explaining that. Don't hear me out of context on that. My point is this, that the world simply is always telling us to follow our heart. And we as believers, we have to be careful because we can fall into this advice as well. The problem is we spiritualize it. We spiritualize this and, and we fall into this trap. And let me just say it this way. The line between the voice of your heart and the voice of God is easily blurred if you aren't paying attention. The, the God told me so statement is wonderfully dangerous. I say wonderful because I do believe that God tells us things. I've had God speak to me multiple times and I hang on to that. But also if I don't if I'm not paying attention, the voice of my heart and the voice of God can become easily blurred if I don't pay attention to God's voice instead of the voice on the inside of me that, that it has its own desires at times. 
Now, before I go any further, I think I need to define heart for us, okay, for just a little bit, since we're talking about heart. Uh, Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible defines it this way. I've shortened it down, but just, just here's the nutshell version. The heart could be defined as the total inner self or a person's hidden core of being. That makes up a lot of us on the inside. It, it's, it's a lot. It's kind of hard to define. It's used in different ways in Scripture, but that's how we're going to be using that today. And according to Scripture, you can have a pure heart. You can have a wicked heart. You can have an upright heart, or you can have a hardened heart. We're instructed. You see, some of us say, well, my heart, it's got to be, it's just right because whatever. Listen, it, we, would, we would not be instructed to guard our heart if our heart was always right. We're instructed to guard our heart. We're, in, uh, we're to love with all of our heart. So if we weren't automatically loving God with all of our heart, we wouldn't be instructed to. So there's, there's work to be done in our heart. It's what I'm trying to tell you. We're, we're told that we are to decide in our hearts. So our heart isn't naturally deciding things that it ought to decide. Uh, and James chapter 1, verse 26 says it this way. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, listen to this, deceives his heart, you realize your heart can be deceived, that that person's religion is worthless. How many of you guys have seen somebody that you love follow their heart right off a cliff? <laughs> You're like, well, they're following their heart, but then it didn't end up so well. There's a story in the Bible that I've shared before, but it's, it's David, and he's got it. his men were out, on a battle, they come back home and uh, they come back to their town where they live and they find not very good news in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3, it says, and when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive. That's a bad day, right? That's your, everything's gone. Your kids, your family, everything's gone. Most of us have never even come close to something like this. Then David and the people who were with them raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. I think that's probably what all of us would do. And we're going to look at how this turns out just a little bit later. But here's what I want you to see. In this moment, when things were bad, as, worse, as bad as they'd ever been, if David would have followed his heart, his heart, how he felt on the inside, his emotions, his, whatever is going on on the inside would have led him to depression if he would have followed his heart. His heart could have led him to suicide if we just want to be real. I mean, everything's gone. He has nothing left. If he would have followed his heart. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that your heart may be well-intentioned, but your heart is not God. And some of us have made a God out of our heart. Your heart can get hardened at times. Your heart is wounded at times. Your heart can get broken at times. Your heart can endure all sorts of things. So no matter how well-intended your heart is, it's not a trustworthy compass. Because your heart is not God. The tricky thing is that your heart is so much of a part of you that it feels like your intuition, so much that is a part of you, that, that when you feel something in your heart, it automatically by default feels right because it's so close to who you are. So it feels right. It contains your passion. It feels right. It feels noble. It feels honorable. But here's what, here's what happens when we follow our heart. When we begin to just follow our heart, 
it leads us to what's called, what we're going to call condition white. Condition white. Now, my brother Jake, um, he's doing a lot of training videos on safety stuff. He's getting ready to go to, uh, to uh, a different country to train pastors on safety and different sorts of things like that. So he was just shooting over some videos to me about safety issues, that how to be prepared when you're walking out of your house and stuff. And he explains this concept. So I'm going to just show you just a quick video of Jake just explaining this concept. And we're going to see how it applies to us. So let's watch. Okay, I want to talk about different uh, mental conditions or different uh, levels of awareness. So as I open the door and I step outside, one mental condition that most people are in is condition white. Condition white is unaware and it's a self-focus. So I'm unaware of anything else around me other than what is important to me and I'm self-focused on what I want to get done and I want to accomplish. So my head's typically down. I see the door handle because I need that. I see the steps because I don't want to trip and fall. And maybe I see the car. But other than that, I miss everything else in my environment. I'm very much tunnel visioned on what's important to me. I don't hear sounds. I don't see anything else around me. I'm just self-focused and I'm unaware. Condition yellow is all of a sudden I'm aware. I want to be aware. My head is up and I see the world around me. Typically I'm always scanning my environment and I'm trying to process what I see. So if I see somebody in that car, um, instead of it being totally unimportant to me because that's not what I need to focus on to get to the car, I have a curious mindset about that and I try to process that. Who is that person? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? It's just a general awareness. So, Condition White is very narrow, tunnel vision focused. Condition Yellow is head up, I'm aware and curious about the things going on around me. I do maybe a 360 scan, I know what's in front of me, I know what's behind me, and I'm just aware of what's going on. Typically, one of the most common ways to be in Conditioned White is to just be in a hurry. If I'm in a hurry, I'm very focused and I don't have any time to pay attention. So what you want to do is, is be in condition yellow, slow down when you get to your car, do a scan, be aware of what's going on around you, have a curious mindset, and be aware. Can anyone see a lot of spiritual truth in that? How sometimes if we just were to just follow our heart, sometimes we get in a hurry, fall on our heart. When we get in a hurry fall in our heart, we get tunnel vision. And all we can see is what's important to us. And all we can see, and all of a sudden, that, that line becomes really, really blurred between following our heart and following the voice of God. And we begin to reinterpret every situation through the lens of, our, of what's going on on the inside of us. And in our view, and in our heart's view, everything may look fine. We may not see any threats to what's going on. And, and so many of us have set our heart on things and we begin to follow that out because our heart is set on that and it feels right. Susan Larson says this, says, hope in an expected outcome will sometimes disappoint. Some of us have our heart on an expected outcome. But hope in God will never disappoint. We are tethered to his goodness. 
He withholds no good thing from those who walk intimately with him. His will for us is our best case scenario. We can trust him. Somebody say amen to that. See, our heart is a reflection of our inner desires. Really, left on our own, a lot of times our heart wants to lead us to make us happy. It's not a bad motivation. Our heart left on its own at times wants to lead us to, uh, to get what we want now, even like from positive motivation. Our heart on its own leads us to feel good. These are not bad things, but left on their own and left unchecked, they can, they can lead to things. And so here's the lie. If you haven't figured out the lie I'm dealing with today, which is a little bit controversial, but here's the lie. The lie is follow your heart. The truth is this. We don't follow our heart. We lead our heart. We don't follow our heart. We lead our heart. Back to David at Ziklag. There, there he is. Everything is, is in ruins. If he would, were to follow his heart, he would have followed his heart straight into depression. Instead, let's look at this in verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. It, it didn't take that away. He's in distress. For the people spoke of stoning him. These are his best friends, okay? Getting ready to stone him. Because they were all, pe all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Another translation says encouraged. See, David didn't follow his heart into depression. He led his heart out of distress. This is a skill we need to master. Because so many of us, we end up feeling like we're just at the mercy of whatever's coming our way. And then our heart reinterprets that. And we feel like we're at the mercy of our heart and how we feel and what's going on in our inner life and, and all of that. Instead, David, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Listen, he didn't, he didn't even have a podcast. He didn't have a book. He didn't have a blog post. He didn't have any of that stuff. He just simply got with God and said, I'm going to lead my heart away from depression and lead my heart back to the character of God. You see, no matter what you're feeling, we have to trust the character of God over our feelings. Your heart doesn't naturally take you there. You have to lead your heart, remind your heart, guard your heart, lead your heart back to the character and goodness of God. Because, listen, our heart wants to go to happy, and that's great. Our heart wants to follow our dreams. That's great. But our heart drifts. It's like we need to, be, we need to lead our heart to healthy over happy. See, there, there's some things I like. How many of you guys like ice cream? They like ice cream. We used to have ice cream every single night of my life when I was a kid. My, my dad has, I think he still does. <laughs> and, uh, we, and so, man, I started eating ice cream when my, my wife's a good cook too. And so I start eating the food and I start putting on some, some weight and all that type of stuff. And realize, I finally realized I can't eat ice cream. I, well, ice cream makes me happy. It really does. <laughs> and if, <laughs> see, you, the point is this. I don't drift naturally into good health. I drift and coast into ice cream. That's what I do. And I'm just guessing that most people here don't drift into broccoli. Do we? We don't just drift into, we have to lead ourselves there. 
Listen, and, and my body, if I keep going after what makes it happy, is fine for a little while, but how many of you guys know I can't enjoy happy forever doing that? I'm not going to be around that long if I keep doing that. I have to lead my body to health. We have to lead our heart to health. We have to lead our inner life to health. Is it somebody, I, I, I can still hear somebody saying, well, but my heart, it's, it's just, it's good, right? It's naturally good. Now that I'm saved, it's naturally good. And all this, I can hear somebody saying that and, and trying to make an argument for that. Let, let me just say it. Let me just ask you a question. How old is your heart? Have you guys have ever taken one of those true age test things? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm 40 right now, but I get online and I take a test and it asks me what I do, how active I am, what kind of food I eat. And it's like, you're 65. No, I'm not. I'm 40. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm 40. And, and you get, you're like, what is going on? How many of you guys have ever taken one of those before? You're like, this is not good news. I'm going to stop doing this, you know? Uh, because it doesn't matter what age I am, the way I'm living my life may represent the age that I really am, you know? And so I ask, how old is your heart? Because uh, we mature spiritually in different areas of our life at different times. What if your heart is immature? What if your heart's still growing? What, what if your heart isn't as mature as you think it is? What if, what if spiritually your heart is still learning and growing and, and, and it's actually at toddler level? And you're kind of still, like if you were to follow your heart, it seems genuine and pure, but it's really like following a toddler's advice. And how many of you guys know, how many of you guys have had those? It's not, it's not good, you know? It's not good to follow that. And, and yet we, we do that sometimes because we think it's, it's right and pure all the time. The Israelites, we talk about them, I think a couple weeks ago, but the Israelites, you know, they'd been slaves for 400 years. They get set free from slavery. There's a promised land destined for them. But what happens? They wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they weren't mature. They hadn't matured. They had just been in everything they knew for decades and generations had been one way of thinking. They got set free. How many of you guys know you can be set free externally and still be in a prison internally? They were set free externally, but in their heart, they still hadn't matured. How do I know that? They were complainers. The Bible makes note of that. They were complainers. What did toddlers do? They were walking around like toddlers in the wilderness. They were following their heart, but their heart wasn't leading them to good places. Let me just give you some reasons. I just want to wrap, just kind of shift gears for just a second, because I want to give you some reasons why we shouldn't follow our heart. Some of the reasons why we shouldn't follow our heart, it's, it's because our heart won't lead us into certain things that we need to experience all the time. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. Our heart won't always lead us into necessary things, into unpopular things, into difficult things. And so what I, I believe the next little section of, of this message today, it's going to be a challenge for some people. It's going to be a confirmation for some people. And it's going to be a container for some people, a container that's going to be a deposit of faith that's going to happen. OK, so uh, it's going to be a challenge, a confirmation and a container. And, and so the first one I, I really want to look at, here are some ways and some things that our heart, I don't believe, will naturally lead us into. So let's watch. 
So the children of Israel, they get set out of slavery. They go out of the land of Egypt and they start to go into the wilderness, but the promised land's available to them. So they send out spies to go check it out. But some of them came back with a, a bad report and Caleb says, let's go take it. We can do it. But in Numbers chapter 13, some of the people said, we can't, we can't go up and take it over because they're stronger than us. And they brought a bad report to the people. And they said, the land through which we have gone to spy it out, it, is a land that devours its inhabitants. They're saying basically this is a dangerous land and all the people that we saw in it, they're of great height. And so they said, we saw the Nephilim, we saw the sons of Anak there. And, and they, they said to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them. Basically they're saying this, it's too dangerous for us to go. And, and listen, that's the first thing. If we follow our heart, our heart will never lead us into danger. We have to lead it into danger. You say, well, why would I ever want to go into danger? Well, the Bible calls us, the scripture, God calls us into dangerous places sometimes because of the call that he's put on our life. The reason I'm right here is because this kind of reminds me of a story when I was a kid. It was 1984. I was six years old. My parents, they felt called to this boy's home in Oklahoma. And so it was kind of this ranch situation where several inner city uh, Dallas kids were coming in who had had trouble and they sent them to this place, uh, this home, uh, and it was like a ranch with several different houses. And so my parents, they oversaw one of the houses. And so we lived right there with uh, these boys that were troubled juveniles. And, and so in that, I remember one time, even just as a six-year-old, that there was a riot amongst all the boys. And, and I remember sitting in the back room, there was a window back. I think we were watching TV. We were probably watching the A-Team, if I know us well. We were watching the A-Team. We were having some hot dogs, I believe. And I remember looking out the window. My mom had us huddled back in that little room in the very back because there was chaos happening on the outside. We, I remember looking out and seeing police officers come in with what looked like to us like machine guns. They were like a riot, like a, establishing order again. A dangerous situation. This place was, was chaotic. Uh, my brother Ben and I, we used to box when we were just kids. I mean, we had these little uh, boxing gloves that fit our size. And so we would box at like five and six years old. Well, we come to find out later that some of those guys, some of those troubled guys, they were betting on us, like, like betting on who was going to win. And so it was just a chaotic environment. I remember one particular room, I don't know why this stood out, but one night uh, or one afternoon, it was a Sunday afternoon, I remember this, my parents were taking a Sunday afternoon nap after church and we were boys and so we were exploring the different rooms. There was this room full of junk, I don't even know what it was, we were climbing all over it. For some reason there was this axe in the room we did not see. What is an axe doing in a random room uh, that was point, happened to be pointed upward? Uh, my older brother Jeremy, he somehow fell over onto the axe and landed backwards on the axe. I don't even know how you do something like that, but it's just another illustration about how dangerous this place was. Uh, even go a little bit further, uh, and a lot of people don't even know this, but when I was six years old, the first time I saw pornography was right there in that building. One of the guys just flashed it in front of my face just as a six-year-old. This dangerous environment, what would possess a family to go and to put their family, mom and dad to put their family into a dangerous situation? I can tell you this, it wasn't following their heart, it was following his heart, it's following God's heart. 
See, we don't follow our heart. There are times when God calls us into situations that are dangerous places. We've been missionaries to Mexico. We've been in all sorts of different situations and God will call us out of our comfort zone into places that we're not comfortable being in and we will never get there. I don't believe we'll get there if we continue just to follow our heart. We have to follow God's heart. So we don't follow our heart, we lead our heart. And that's a challenge for a lot of us because we, we sometimes we idolize and we glorify this idea of, well, let me just say it. We just idolize family and we put that up on a shelf. Like it's, it's you know, and sometimes God calls us to dangerous situations and he calls us to protect, no doubt, but he calls us into dangerous situations. And, and sometimes our heart won't naturally lead us there. But when we hear the voice of Jesus, and we lead our heart to the voice of Jesus. That's a challenge. This second thing that I believe your heart won't naturally lead us to at all times is this. Your heart won't lead you to the desert. You have to lead it there. What do I mean by that? There are two kinds of wildernesses. Two kinds of wilderness. The first kind, I mean, it's what I'd call God-ordained. Moses had a wilderness. I'm not talking about with the children of Israel. Before that, he had 40 years in the wilderness where he was going through preparation, where God was changing him, where he was in the wilderness, in the desert. It was a God-ordained time. David had his own wilderness. Jesus had a wilderness, God-ordained wilderness. First kind is God-ordained. The second kind is (laughs) self-inflicted. How many of you guys have ever been through a self-inflicted wilderness before? That's what the children of Israel were going through. There's two kinds of wilderness. But there is a God kind. And Brady Boyd says it this way. He said, any person who wishes to do anything great for God. I hope that's everyone here. Any person who wishes to do anything great for God must endure long seasons of anonymity. Moses had a wilderness. David had a wilderness. Jesus had a wilderness. Faithfulness seldom gets the attention of people but God always notices. Faithfulness seldom gets the attention of people, but God always notices. Listen, a God-ordained wilderness does not discriminate. What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter what field you are in. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not a pastor. It doesn't discriminate. And if we're just following our inner life and our inner desires and our heart around, we won't always go into the God-ordained wilderness because our heart doesn't always crave that. And so we need that. Uh, There was a a guy that most of us don't even know about, but uh, a friend of mine uh, on social media put this up, and he put up some quotes from this guy. It says, here's some of the quotes. If you aim at a fervent spiritual life, then you too must turn your back on the crowds, as Jesus did. The only man who can safely appear in public is the one who wishes he were at home. He alone can safely speak who prefers to be silent. Another quote of this guy, if you want to learn something that will really help you, learn to see yourself as God sees you and not as you see yourself in the distorted mirror of your own self-importance. He had a lot of great quotes. The interesting thing about this guy, his name is Thomas A. Kempis, and he, there's a collection called The Imitation of Christ, a series of letters that he wrote in the 1400s to, to some aspiring young people that were trying to come to the priesthood. And, and so 
He, he never intended those letters to become a book. He never intended that at all. He was just a guy trying to serve God and wrote some things and depositing what he knew. These were found later. They were translated and compiled together. And now it's been you know, passed around the globe and tens of millions or maybe more copies of this have been printed. A guy who we basically know hardly anything about a guy who lived most of his life, listen, in obscurity. Now, a lot of people, now his, his, his writings are well known, but, but he lived most of his life in obscurity. And, and so the guy on social media wrote this. He said, so, and, and this is where I th- feel like this is going to be confirmation for people. It's going to be a, a word for somebody, okay? So if you're feeling forgotten or overlooked, number one, know that you're in, a great, you're in great company with a guy like Thomas. And two, be faithful and give the results to God. He just might see fit to make your life incredibly meaningful long after you're gone. Keep at it, brothers and sisters. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that. And here's a little bit of challenge on this subject. For those of you who God has led into the desert for a a good thing, for a God-ordained purpose, let me just... Let me just ask you a question, because again, we sometimes we, we shift over into our having our hopes set on a certain outcome. Let me ask you a question. What if your wilderness doesn't last for four months? What if your wilderness lasts for 40 years? 60 years? R- really? What, what, if, what if it's not next year? See, we have to go beyond trusting God for this season. Sometimes we can get really good at trusting God for this season. We have to go beyond trusting God for this season, and we have to, not, not, we have to trust God with our whole life. See, it's not just about trusting God in all areas of our life right now. Hear me now. This is going to be good for somebody. It's not just about trusting God. Well, okay, I struggle to trust God with my family. Okay, I need to trust God. Struggle to trust God with my It's not just about trusting God in all areas. It's about trusting God in all of our years, in all of our days. Can we trust God that if he wants to put me in anonymity for the next 35 years, that I'm willing to trust God with all of my days, not just all of my areas? Our heart doesn't lead us there all the time. We have to lead our heart there as we hear the voice of Jesus. That's not a toddler heart that leads us there. (laughs) It's a heart that gets hungry for God and says, I want your way more than my way. We have to lead her. We don't follow our heart, we lead our heart. The last thing is this, and this is where I felt like, if anything, this whole message may have been just about this this thing that's going to happen next for somebody. And it's number three, your heart won't lead you to destiny. You have to lead it there. And this is where I feel like this is really kind of a prophetic word for some people. And I feel like it's a prophetic word for our church, okay? Uh, And many of you guys know that we're maxed out on space. Some of you guys are sitting probably on chairs we had to bring in. And if not, then other Sundays this happens where we have to... We're looking for what's next for us as a church. As we add services, we're contemplating all of that. We're contemplating building and land and all sorts of things that comes with that as we just need more space. I was reading the Bible the other day, a couple weeks ago, in in Nehemiah chapter 9. And I started to read this in verse 21. It says, 
40 years, here we go back to the children of Israel, that even though they were in a self-inflicted wilderness, listen, you may be in a self-inflicted wilderness right now, but I still want you to see that God sees you and he's not going to leave you there, okay? God sees you, he's going to sustain you even in that. 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing, their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Some of you guys are in that self-inflicted wilderness thinking there's no way back out. I'm telling you that's not the case, that God is still with you. The biggest thing you need to know right now is that God is present even when you can't see him. He's sustaining you in ways you don't even know about. But here's what I started to read in verse 24. So the descendants went in and possessed the land. Finally, Caleb and Joshua's way won out and they went in and they possessed their land and you subdued them before the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their land with their kings and their people and their land that they might do with them as they would. Now here, as I started to read this, I really felt like this was a prophetic word for us as a church, but then I really felt like this was prophetic for people as individuals and families. It says this, and they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things. Cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. As I read that, I just felt a strong sense of the Holy Spirit. You, do you realize it takes a while to grow fruit trees? I'm trying to grow some right now, and it's not working. Got a couple years on an apple tree, no apples still. I'm planting more just in case this one doesn't make it, you know. It takes a while to grow an orchard. It takes a while to dig a cistern. It takes a lot of work. And I really feel like for us as a church that God is going to lead us to a place where the orchards are already there. The wells are already dug. There's a head start. And I really felt like for many people, even as individuals, that you think, man, for this next phase of my life, I'm going to have to start planting trees from seed. I'm going to have to start digging a new well. I'm going to have to start finding some olive, olive, olive branches or whatever and try to start grafting these things. I've I got to do it all over again. And I just want to speak out, if you would receive it, for whoever this is, that you are getting ready to walk into a new season that you don't have to start from scratch. You're going to walk upon a cistern that's already been dug, orchards that are already grown, and just ready for you to reap on day one. And I believe that for us as a church as well. And I just want to encourage, I'm going to have the worship team come back up here at this time, and I just want to leave you with this encouragement. Those of you guys who are going through different things right now, I want to leave you with this encouragement. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Many of you guys know this scripture. But receive this this morning from God. Receive it from God. Okay? You've been going through maybe even a God-ordained wilderness. Maybe you've been going through a season. Maybe you're in a self-inflicted I don't know. Receive this as if Jesus is saying it to you right now. Can we do that by faith? And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. Can we just say that together? Say, we shall reap. Let's say it again. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. In other words, 
as long as we're not following the way of our heart and, and losing our heart, <laughs> we can reap. There's a season ahead. Keep leading your heart to God's heart. God sees where you're at. He knows that you need shoes. He knows that you, you, need, you have needs, even if you're in a self-inflicted wilderness. He knows all of that. And on the other side, I asked, like, what if, what if your, what if your uh, season isn't just four months? What if it's 40 years? Let me ask you a different way. What if you're just one more day away from your breakthrough? What if you hang on today? <laughs> it can go either way. The, the, the point is, we put our trust in God. We lead our heart back to the character and goodness of God. We're not swayed by the inner, inner sea that's on the inside of us. What matters is eternity. What matters is what's right. What matters is pleasing the audience of one. That's all that matters, guys. That's all that matters. It doesn't, none of this, none of, nothing else matters. It really doesn't. And until we can lead our heart back to that, we're going to be just roaming around. But I'm telling you, God is leading us to a good place. He's leading us to a good place. And in that way, I can say, take heart in the goodness of God. Take heart in the faithfulness of God. Take heart in the character of God. Take heart in the leadership of God. Take heart in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Take heart in the kindness of God. Take heart that he has eyes to see right where you are. Take heart that God knows what you're going through, that God has been in your future and he's laid a good path. Can we just stand up and just, just surrender afresh and anew our heart to God? Some of you right now, just heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of you right now, you've never surrendered your heart to God. You've been following it around. Can I just tell you that God has been chasing your heart? He has been chasing you. And right now, you may have never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've been following around your heart. You've been taking the world's advice and just following every whim and you found yourself in a self-inflicted wilderness. I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross. He put all of our sin upon himself. He, the, the Father did and, and, and raised from the dead. All of that is gone. All of your sin has been paid for if we simply say yes to Jesus and respond to his grace and his goodness. He's chasing after us right now. And I just want to lead you right now. If that's you, you say, Pastor Sean, I, I need to say yes to Jesus. I can feel him chasing me down right now. I want, to, I want to walk in the way of Jesus. I want to lose my old life and start a brand new life with Christ. I want to start a brand new life. The Bible says that when you say yes to Jesus, when you let go of your old life, that you are a brand new creation. It's like you have brand new DNA. The old life is gone. The new life has come. And I just want to take a moment. If that's you, you say, Pastor Sean, that's me. I need to surrender my heart, all my heart to Jesus and start to follow him today. Would you just lift up your hand and just acknowledge that before the Lord? We're just going to pray. All right, thank you. Anybody else? All right. Some hands. We're going to just take just a moment and I'm just going to lead you. Would you all just pray this together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for taking my place. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you give eternal life. And I confess that you are my Lord, that you're in charge of my life from this day forward. 
I receive that grace by faith right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that those who prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, they wouldn't get hung up on all the, the words we just said, but just the heart behind it. Lord, I pray that they would have a revelation by your spirit right now that they are brand new, that there's no sin that's too big for God's grace, that they're a brand new creation. And right now with the, your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if, if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you in this message time, take just a moment during this next song and just worship God. Lead your heart to worship Him. Lead your heart to His faithfulness. Remind your heart that He's still good even if you don't see the end. Remind your heart that God is still present even if you don't feel His presence. Lead your heart to worship God even if you find yourself in a storm and it looks like the boat's leaking. Remind yourself that God is there as we worship today.